true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness.
The Lord was my support in the day of my calamity. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, since you never fail to help and govern those whom you nurture in your steadfast fear and love, work in us a perpetual fear and love of your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 
The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday of Trinity is from Proverbs chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live, and go in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is the word of the Lord. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their right. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Oh, 
the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The epistle is from Ephesians chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and with the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit." This is the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord according to his righteousness, and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Now when one of those who sat at the table with Jesus heard these things, he said to him, 
Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. This is the gospel of the Lord. Let us confess the faith with the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate, He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. This is the word of the Lord. I need Christ, and so do you. I need Christ because he alone forgives my sin and has the authority and the power to do so. He teaches me by his grace and forgiveness how to love my wife and my children and my grandchildren. He and he alone, by his grace, rescues me from the self-centeredness of my flesh. He and he alone, by his grace, teaches me how to make use of my temporal goods, not for my own benefit, but for the benefit of those whom he has entrusted to me, the members of my family and my neighbor. He and he alone, by his grace and mercy in the call of the gospel, teaches me how to forgive and how to pray for those who are the enemies of the Lord in this crazy time of woke awareness, which is nothing but diabolical darkness. He gives me a word to speak to you, to the congregation, to those who are troubled by their sins, that you might know and believe in him and be comforted by him, and that he might bring forth the fruits of his grace in your own lives. We all need him because he is the Son of God, our Savior, who has come in the flesh to redeem us with his holy, precious blood. He died on the cross. He shed his blood for our forgiveness, and not for ours only, but also for a world that hates God and that hates everything that is good. And so we have before us in the gospel for today the parable of the great feast. The invitation is the gospel. The proclamation of what Jesus has done with the invitation come to the feast. In that invitation, come to the feast, he calls all of us to trust in him and not ourselves. Luther said that if you knew that Christ were present somewhere on this earth, would you not run a hundred miles in order to see him and receive his word? The answer ought to be yes. But so often, like those who made excuses in the 
parable of the great feast, we are often preoccupied with so many other things that must be done. And one of the worst preoccupations of all is to hold on to the sins and the grudges that we have against another. To do so means that we end up letting go of and frittering away God's grace. And the result of that is always an introverted life. Well, Christ is present here, calling us to repentance for such things. To admit fully our sin and culpability for the problems of our life and the transgressions of the law for the self-centeredness of our flesh and to let go of the sins of one another as we kneel here at the altar. Christ is present here calling us to repentance, forgiving sin, and giving us to eat of his body and blood. The invitation to the great feast, while it certainly includes the invitation to the supper of our Lord, ought not to be simply narrowly defined as an invitation to the supper, but rather an invitation to entrust the entirety of our lives to the grace of God in Jesus. The call to repentance, it leads to baptism. Baptism into Christ leads us to an ongoing life of catechesis in that gospel, to confession and absolution, to a life of love for the neighbor. And we are strengthened in that life here at the altar of the Lord. Unfortunately, like those in the parable of the great feast, we are often preoccupied with the cares of this life and give more attention to the self-righteousness of our sinful flesh. Lord, have mercy upon us. Give us a holy desire for Christ alone. That ought to be our prayer this week. Teach me to let go of everything else that I might otherwise trust in and believe in you, Lord Jesus. Jesus told the parable of the Great Supper following a discussion with the Pharisees about how the Pharisees only invited to their feasts those who could repay them or those who could, you know, be a benefactor to them. And it's kind of profitable to do that. I will treat them with great grace and generosity, and in exchange for this, I'll receive something in return. Why would I invite someone who has no ability to repay me? He condemned their pharisaical works righteousness by calling them to invite the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. Did you notice at the beginning of that It said he was angry. What makes God angry more than anything else is a despising of the free grace of God in Jesus that causes us to hold the sins of others against them. So invite the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid in the resurrection of the just, the resurrection of the righteous, those who are justified by faith in Jesus alone and not by their own works. So then after that, the parable of the Great Supper immediately followed. And it teaches us that the call of the gospel to faith in Christ is based on grace and not by works. Nor is it based upon social standing, socioeconomic standing, nor is it based upon what the world calls race, 
what we call differences in ethnicity as Christians, for there is only one race. Paul talked about it in the epistle for today, this wall of partition that made of the two one. He was talking about the Jew and the Gentile. The Jews so often throughout their history despise the Gentile. They're not worthy. They're not the chosen as if they were chosen by their own merits, but they were chosen by grace alone that through the call of the gospel they receive, they might be a blessing even to the Gentiles. So St. Paul says he is made out of the two one made one by the blood of Christ, that no one, Jew or Gentile, should glory in themselves. Whenever we rely upon anything or anyone else or any other distinction, some are worthier than others, we deny Christ and the gift of salvation that comes to us in his word. And the result is, as I said at the outset, that it curves us in upon ourselves. Just as the Pharisees. Let's go through an outline of the parable. The Great Supper represents the feast of salvation, forgiveness, life, all that Jesus has done for us that comes to us in our baptism, in catechesis, in preaching, in absolution, and culminates in the great supper of our Lord Jesus. The invitation, the call of the gospel, come. You who are broken and heavy laden with sin, come. The excuses are the works righteous ways that sinners try to save themselves. The poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind really represent all sinners. In other words, in the call of the gospel, we are all to see ourselves as poor, even if we're rich in the eyes of the world. We are all to see ourselves as lame, maimed cripples, even though we might be physically fit and able to run a marathon. Spiritually, we are poor and maimed and lame and blind. And only when we come to believe this and learn to know that that is the truth will the call of the gospel be of comfort to us. And finally, we partake of the great supper by hearing Christ's word and then in the call to repentance and faith, kneeling to receive him here. God the Father has prepared this salvation for all in his Son. And that is signified in the parable when the master sends out the servant and says, all things are ready. Come to the feast. It ought to remind us of Jesus' words from the cross, it is finished. All is done for you, come. But they all began to make excuses. I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I have bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. Now, you should have noticed the emphasis in recounting those words. I have bought, I have bought, I have married. There's nothing wrong with land. In those days, there certainly was nothing wrong with oxen. You needed them to till the field. And God is not putting down marriage here. Marriage is God's institution between a man and a woman for the procreation of children and the giving and receiving of love. But by these excuses, he is rather highlighting how the spirit of works 
righteousness in ordinary activities of our lives tends to supplant the one thing needful, namely the gospel of Jesus and his mercy and faith in him above all things. I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. Do you remember the promise God made to Abraham? I'll make of you a great nation and I'll give you the land. The promised land really was real estate. But the promised land signified the gift of salvation, the gift of salvation on the basis of the promise, not because they were better than any other nation of people on the face of the earth. So the Jews misinterpreted the promise made to Abraham, the promise of the land. For them, they turned the promise into works righteousness, that they had earned the right to the land, the property, the real estate. But they hadn't yet they so often believed that they had. It's not unlike those in the church today who stand before God believing they have a right to his grace by their merits rather than by what Jesus has done for us. The land or the ground ought to be understood as the gift of the inheritance. That's why in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall inherit the earth. The earth, the land, represents the new heavens, the new earth, the gift of salvation in Jesus. And that's the heritage, the inheritance that has promised those who believe in him. I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. The number five in the scriptures almost invariably takes us back to the Torah, the five books of Moses. Here again, the Jews of Jesus' time so often misinterpreted the law. They believed that the law showed them how they could save themselves and bring about a prosperous life according to their own desires. In other words, for them, the law was something that they believed that they could manipulate God with. Look at what I have done. We, the Jews, are superior to those Gentiles because of our obedience to the law. Therefore, God, you owe us. But the five books of Moses ultimately are about Christ. What it is to love God with all one's heart and soul and mind and strength and the neighbor in place of oneself. The five books of Moses are about Christ and the call to forsake all attempts to manipulate God by our own efforts or by his own law. I thank God I am not like others, those murderers, adulterers, or those who are wrapped up in woke ideology. The law is about Christ. The law calls us to repentance, that we might see our sin and how much we need the Lord Jesus. Finally, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Here again, the Pharisees of Jesus' day misinterpreted the gift of wife and marriage. Marriage and family was, for them, a status symbol. Marriage and family is rather about living in Christ and passing on his love and salvation to the next generation of Christians, not about serving the appetites 
and desires of the flesh. For us, as Christians, marriage is about living in Christ, that the life that we live in self-sacrificial love for one another might actually manifest the invitation to the great feast very concretely, that there's something different about those families, those marriages and families that believe in the grace of God. And that in itself is to become attractive to the unbelieving world, which, if you haven't noticed, is unhappy, miserable, and full of anger. Each of the three excuses demonstrates, in one form or another, a works-righteous faith. There's really only two faiths in all of the world, regardless of religions. Faith in the grace of God, not of works, Christianity, or faith in some kind of human endeavor. Each of the excuses began with those words, I have bought, I have bought, I have married. And so we are to see ourselves in these things. Whenever we focus on our works, the tendency is to despise others, to hold on to resentment, and to the sin and failings and shortcomings of others. And it doesn't mean there isn't sin and failings. There is. But we are all cut from the same cloth, We are all called by the word of God to understand ourselves as poor and lamed and maimed and blind that we might come to know Jesus alone and place our full confidence in him. The call of the gospel invites all of us to see ourselves in this light very simply as sinners who need Jesus. The great supper of salvation begins now in this world, as the call and invitation of the gospel goes out as long as there is life and breath from now unto our Lord's return. It begins now in this life as the repentant, baptized, faithful hear Jesus' word and kneel together at his altar, red and yellow, black and white, young and old, rich or poor, sick or healthy. The promised land, the purpose of the law, and even why we marry can only be understood and received rightly through faith in the grace of God. Then we can use the gifts of the land for the benefit of others and a testimony to Jesus. Then we can use the work that God has privileged us to do, tilling with our oxen to serve our neighbor in love then we can get married, not to fulfill the desires of our flesh, but to bear witness to the heavenly bridegroom who gave his life for the church. Our heavenly Father extends the invitation of the gospel to each of you constantly. It's why we meditate upon the promises of God. It's why we learn them by heart. Through these, the Holy Spirit continues to call us away from self-righteousness to reliance upon the Lord Jesus. And so we might pray this way. Heavenly Father, by your word and spirit, teach me to believe that I have been made poor, maimed, lame, and blind by sin, so that I hear the invitation of the gospel and run with repentant faith to the great supper of Jesus' forgiveness, life, and salvation. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, 
one God, now and forever. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the beginning of wisdom given to us in holy baptism, for those who remember their baptism this week, especially Eric Greshner, Matthias Woods, Carol Zick, Heather Skrepensky, and for those unborn children who will soon be baptized, that all who bear the name of the triune God would continually abide in the house he has built, eat of his bread, and drink of the wine he has mixed. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For the families of Peace Lutheran Church, for the families of our sister congregations, and for the whole church on earth, for those celebrating wedding anniversaries this week, Brian and Kathy Stoltenberg, Reuben and Lori Rowe, Stan and Joan Heine, that all married couples would thrive in the headship you have given them, that all parents would be given wisdom, courage, and patience in loving their children, and that all Christians would know they are members of the household of God, built on Christ, the chief cornerstone. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the pursuit and reception of all godly wisdom, for each and every family of this and every congregation, for Peace Lutheran Academy, and for pursuing learning and Lutheran catechesis, that they would sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High, who delivers them and is their support in the day of calamity. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord for all pastors, congregations, and workers of our church body, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and especially for those preparing for the 2023 National Convention, that they would be strengthened in pure confession of the Holy Scriptures and would be well-ordered to bring merciful witness to the world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For those who rule us in this and every government, for all elected officials and judges, for our Congress, 
and for all Congresses, and for those whose influence affects governments, that the Lord's peace would make all nations one, as fellow citizens with the saints, hearing the witness of the prophets and apostles, and receiving the wisdom of God. Let us pray to the Lord. For all the suffering and for those sick in body and soul, for Wally Schneider, David Berger, Jennifer Johnson, for John Bruss, Andy Helwig, Walt Disson, and Mark Gretzinger, for Reverend Dr. John Willey, Kathleen Hetzel, Tanya Knobloch, Dennis Michalis, Gabby Hartwig, Peyton Locklear, Kathy Miller, Beth, who is Donna Lovis's niece, and for Heather Peters, that they all would be brought healing, that they would hear peace preached to them, and that they would depend upon Christ's furnished table. Let us pray to the Lord. For the multitudes who receive the great supper of the Lord this day, that they would draw near and receive and eat bread in the kingdom of God. Let us pray to the Lord. Hear us, Heavenly Father, for the sake of Christ Jesus our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is sweet and right so to do. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection Open to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying,
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.
Welcome to the Divine Service. A couple of announcements. This week is the 28th Symposium of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, which has been so much a part of our congregation uh, these last nearly 30 years. Um, we are moving away from the National Symposium here in the future in favor of some more regional workshops on teaching the catechism. So if you can make it in celebration of that as members of the congregation, any of it, you're welcome to attend. The Wednesday afternoon workshop, which is billed as um, teaching the Ten Commandments resources for doing that, in addition to highlighting things from the Lutheran Catechesis book, I'm actually going to be sharing with those who come uh, what we've done in youth group over this last number of months on the Ten Commandments. So I have to say it's pretty good if I do say so myself. So uh, it, it's for your edification as well as those entrusted to, to teach the catechism. And then just so many of our old friends will be here. Pastor Rolf Preuss, who's in retirement now, but his father was my teacher at the Seminary in Confessions 1 and 2, and uh, such an important figure in the history of the church. And then his son has been my uh, dear friend for nearly 40 years. Um, Reverend uh, Bernal Eckhart, uh, editor-in-chief of Gottesdienst. Uh, he's always uh, good to have. He's been also a dear friend, taught me uh, grace and sacraments in a summer course at the seminary. And uh, so he'll be here. Pastor Carl Fabricius, who retired last summer, uh, he will be preaching on Thursday night. He'll be doing a devotion also on uh, Thursday morning, and then a catechesis on the Ninth Commandment. Uh, another good friend below these many years. Uh, and the bishop and district president of the Indiana District, uh, Reverend Dr. D. Richard Stuckwish, or as I call him, Rick. Uh, another dear friend, he will be with us, and uh, he speaks sweet gospel whenever he teaches. And then Reverend Dr. Aaron Moldenauer, someone whom I did not know except over the last couple of years, he teaches in the theology department at uh, CUW. He's been recently promoted uh, by the new president there uh, to a dean position. And a uh, very great guy, clear thinker, thinker. and uh, he even came from where, John? Aaron Moldenauer, he came from the ELS. Or was kind of, yeah, I, I, was, I was giving you a, a hanging curveball there. And uh, so now he's a Missouri Synod prop. So I hope you can come. If you can't come to anything because of working during the day, come to Wednesday night divine service. I preach on the first commandment. And Thursday night divine service at 5 o'clock. Uh, Pastor Fabritius on the seventh commandment. So I want to encourage you to do that. And a happy Father's Day, by the way. Uh, I do have a few announcements also, and I'll make it quick because I won't be long-winded like the senior pastor. Um, 
It is my prerogative. <laughs> um, we are very happy to have an almost full teaching staff for Peace Lutheran Academy in the fall. You may have heard of a few of the people there. Uh, their names are in the bulletin. Uh, just yesterday, we had the culmination of an excellent theater camp. We had, I think it was almost 70 people in attendance for our little presentation. Um, and uh, it, the main teacher was Matthew Bender, or Matt Bender, depending on who's saying his name. I, I knew him as Matt in college. But it was an excellent opportunity, so thank you so much for your support of that. And finally, I have mentioned to several of you that in the summer there is a sports group. We're playing Ultimate Frisbee this summer. We've mostly been doing it on Saturday afternoons. If you are interested, don't just tell me the line. Text me. You have my number. It's in the bulletin. Otherwise, I will just forget. So <laughs> text me if you want to be invited. That's all. Have a good week. Thank you.